0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. I'd like for you to take out your Bibles and your teaching notes. Um, In your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 16... Uh, verse 7 is the verse I'm going to read. I'm just going to read one verse. You're going to hear a lot of scripture throughout this message, but I'm going to read one verse today because this verse is going to be uh, a theme or it's going to be foundational for us over the next several weeks. And so uh, John chapter 16, verse 17 simply says this, Jesus speaking, but very truly I tell you, It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. I want you to just hold on to that, okay? Because we're going to actually revisit that verse plus others several times this morning. Um, Every Monday night, uh, by the wonder of technology... um, I have the opportunity, the privilege, to meet online with a group of uh, about 12 men. There are actually probably about 15 men in our group, but it just kind of averages out that every week there's about 12 to 13 of us. And during that virtual call, that Zoom call, we have an opportunity to connect with each other. And and we share stories, and the more we're getting to know each other, we're, we're sharing stories, and we're laughing a lot together. And we're also discussing, and this is really the point of why we come together, we're discussing biblical concepts, biblical truths, biblical principles. Right now, we're actually walking through a study uh, of the character and traits of the 12 disciples, uh, these men who were following Jesus. Uh, and then uh, before we close, if there are needs, we, uh, we, we pray together. Uh, before that prayer time, typically what I will do is I will offer some closing thoughts. Um, and those would come from the theme of the night and the discussion. And I would just say, here are some final thoughts as we're closing up tonight. And then again, uh, we, would, we would pray together if there are any needs. Pray for each other if there are any needs within the group. Um, I share this story as a way of segueing into this morning's message, obviously. Um, just hours before Jesus was to be nailed to the cross, he actually spent time with 12 men who had closely followed him for about 18 months of his ministry while he was here on the earth. And of course, these men were his disciples. They gathered in the upper room. They shared the Passover meal together. And after the meal, Jesus began to speak to them. He spoke to them about his death. But also, he spoke to them uh, and encouraged them with... um, uh, promises uh, and truths that they were going to begin to experience uh, in the very near future. At first, as Jesus spoke about his death, among those men, it seemed like there was a sense of fear and anxiety and concern. But as Jesus continued to speak, those fears, those anxieties, those concerns were soon met with words of encouragement that were meant to bring a sense of hope and comfort and peace and anticipation, and excitement, and care, and provision. And these words were so significant that these words would be carried with them through the remainder of their life as a source of their strength and of their help. What was so significant about the words that Jesus spoke to them, that he encouraged them? Well, he was speaking uh, of the promise and the coming of the Holy Spirit. I want you to imagine, if you would, uh, being there that night in the upper room with Jesus and the disciples, sitting in the background, observing, listening, and watching as Jesus spoke these words of comfort to those men. If you were there, here are some of the words that you would have heard. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. That's John 14 verses 15 through 17. He also said when the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father. The spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. John 15, 26, he went on to say, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We read that as we began. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me about righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can no longer see me, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and he will make known to you. That's John chapter 16 verses 17 through 15. These words were of the greatest significance to the disciples. Because, again, it was what was going to carry them through the remainder of their lives, their help and their strength. But listen to this. These words are of greatest significance to all of us here today. All who claim to be Christ followers and all who are yet to come into the kingdom. Because, listen, when you and I um, choose to follow Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit And those same words because of the Holy Spirit bring comfort and hope and anticipation and care and provision for all of us today. It's not something that stopped a long time ago, but it it, it remains today. The advocate, the spirit of truth that Jesus spoke of that is to come was of course the Holy Spirit. And when you and I choose to accept Christ's provision of salvation and make Him Lord of our lives, we are given help. This help comes from the Advocate. The primary, the key role of the Holy Spirit is to help us effectively live out the life, the faith that we uh, profess in Jesus Christ. So very obviously today we are starting a new series and the series is very simply entitled The Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad we didn't give it some complicated name. Instead, we're going to study for five weeks. Today and four weeks after, we're just going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And the goal of this series is to, um, to uh, put to rest any um, false perceptions or any misconceptions that we might have about the Holy Spirit, about who He is and what He does. And instead, we would grow in our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I have a question for you, and I tell you that because sometimes I ask a question and I just get blank stares. So that means I have a question, that means you have answers. Uh, um, when you hear, think about through your life and your experiences at, at, in, your, in your faith journey uh, when you hear Holy Spirit, uh, what, are some, uh, and what are some of the emotions? What are some of the feelings? What are some of the thoughts that you have when, you, uh, when you've heard about the Holy Spirit in the past or even when you think about the Holy Spirit today? And just be really honest. Comfort? Comfort. God with us? Assistance? Assistance. Peace. Peace? Anybody else? Those are all right. Those are good. Give me, give me one more promise. Promise? So those are all the right answers. Um, I want to be a little vulnerable with you and I want to share with you my Holy Spirit experience going all the way back to childhood. Okay. Because as a child, none of that was what I thought of when I thought of the Holy Spirit. I'm just being really honest. Let me give you a little bit of background on my church history, my, my denominational uh, background. It's a mixture. From my earliest years, from birth until about uh, age five, five and a half, uh, my roots, I don't remember a lot about this, but I remember some things about it. My roots, by way of my family and particularly my mother, were in the Pentecostal Holiness Church. Anybody else been involved with Pentecostal Holiness Church? Raise your hand. Okay, for several. Of you. So you 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 know, kind of what I'm talking about. Um, it wasn't bad. It's just it was it was very different. Um, in fact, it was good. I I let me. I don't want to. I don't want to put out any false things about it. Uh, somewhere around um, five and a half to six. For some reason, my family made a denominational change and we started attending a Southern Baptist Church. Southern Baptist Church, very different than the Pentecostal Holiness Church. Trust me, very, very, very different. But here's what I love. Uh, Good roots in Pentecostal Holiness Church, but from the time I was about five and a half until I was 15... I began to get additional roots through the, through the teachings of the Southern Baptist Church and I want to tell you that's it was there when I was six years old, uh, Kirby Memorial Baptist Church in Gaffney, South Carolina that I sat on the pastor's knee and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior after he explained the gospel to me. It was there that I uh, learned the importance of the word. I learned the importance of memorizing scripture. I learned the importance of being evangelist and, and sharing the gospel. I was a royal and amb- Ambassador. We are ambassadors for Christ. Any other royal ambassadors here? You don't know what I'm talking about. If you were a girl, you were the GAs, girls, uh, girl ambassadors. Um, so, so I had these precious, precious roots also in, in the Southern Baptist Church. And it was some of the formative years of my life. And then when I was about 15, by a weird, just go figure, because my lunch shift changed in my 10th grade year of high school, I was suddenly no longer with the friends that I typically hung out with. And I was with another group of people who became my friends. Some of them I had known since elementary school. We just never really hung out. And they all went to this little church in Gaffney, South Carolina, called a Four Square Church. And I had never heard of that before. In case some of you don't know it, today you're sitting in a four-square church. (laughs) And in case you had not realized it, this four-square church is a Pentecostal church. But here's the beauty of what I love. So I've been part of the four-square denomination or movement since I was 15. I turned 60 last September. That's a long time. But what I love about it is the balance that we live out the gospel without going to any extreme, but yet recognizing our Pentecostal roots. So now, you've got a little, you, you know about my, my history. Now, I'm going to take you back to my childhood. Um, there were times in our family where my dad, I'm sure at the prompting of my mom, uh, would call for family prayer time at our house. And what that meant is there were, there were four boys, mom and dad, that we would all gather in our little family room and we would sit. And my dad, we had this, we had a, did it, who had a family Bible? Yeah, we had this massive brown family Bible and my dad would pull it out and he would open it up and he would begin to read certain passages of scripture. I never at that time knew why sometimes we had family devotional times and other times we didn't but now looking back I think because there was some crisis going on in the family and it's like we need to pray but we would we would um, he, he would read some passages of scripture to us and then he'd say we're going to pray and I'm sure that my mom had coached him on that she she had prompted this and so we knew that when he said we're going to pray that all of us were uh, to get down on our knees we were to find a cushion on the sofa or in a chair uh, and kneel and, and, and pray. My dad would always pray first. And, and typically, I don't remember much about his prayer, but he always began, Our Graciously Heavenly Father. And then he would pray. And then my mom would begin to pray, and it was much different. Remember, she was rooted in the Pentecostal Holiness Church. My mom died when she was 95, which was three years ago. And um, she had been, she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when she was like 22 years old. So think all of these years. Um, So uh, as my mom prayed, my mom would begin to pray. And as she prayed, and as she began to experience uh, an anointing of the Holy Spirit... She would begin to pray with more intensity and she would pray faster and faster. And there was a long period of time that we knew exactly what she was saying, even though she was praying really fast. But then suddenly, we didn't know what she was saying because my mom was praying in her heavenly prayer language. She was praying in tongues. And when she did that, I want to tell you that for four boys in that room and probably my dad, this is what we did. We hunkered down in the cushion on the sofa and we curled up and we held on for Dear life, because we did not know what, the, what was going to happen. And our prayer was, please don't let her come near me because I'm not sure what's going to happen. And that is my earliest recollection, my emotion, my feelings that I have associated with the Holy Spirit. It scared the Bejebis out of me. However, as time has gone on, because I gave my heart to Christ when I was six, You just heard me say I turned 60. So I've been walking with Christ for a long time. And so I've learned over time through the word, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, who he is and how he works in our lives. And I'm no longer afraid of the Holy Spirit. But I recognize that the Holy Spirit is my friend. That, that was my misconception of the Holy Spirit. I believe there are many, many misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. And those misconceptions actually cause us to not experience all that God has for us because we function in fear. We're afraid to surrender because we don't know what the Holy Spirit might do to us. We don't have to be afraid. I want to deal this morning uh, with three misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. You, you, you know this of me now. This is not in your notes. So you can take notes. I will get to portions of the notes though later. Um, so three misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. The first one. Most common misconception about the Holy Spirit. Is that the Holy Spirit is not a person. But instead the Holy Spirit is a power. Or merely a force. Now in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus said. And you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. When the Holy Spirit comes. So we know that the Holy Spirit does empower us for daily living. But we can't limit the Holy Spirit only to uh, just being a power. He he is much more than that. And that's all I'm going to say about this right now. Because I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit in relation to the Trinity in just a moment. A second misconception is that the Holy Spirit comes And the Holy Spirit goes. That's what it felt like as a kid because we didn't experience this all the time. So in those special prayer times, the Holy Spirit would come. But after that, he left until the next time we had that prayer time. And then the Holy Spirit would come and then he left. And so there wasn't an example of the Holy Spirit being present all the time. So we have this misconception that the Holy Spirit uh, comes and goes. And when we look in the Old Testament, we have to determine or we can conclude that the Holy Spirit did not actually reside within an individual. But the Holy Spirit did come and would empower an individual for a particular work that God had called that individual to. Uh, That would happen in the prophets, in the judges, in the warriors. This morning when I was doing my my morning devotions, I was reading about Balak, and Balak had prophesied. And and it actually said, the Spirit of God came upon him. In other words, uh, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowered him uh, for those prophetic words, but the Holy Spirit Wasn't residing in him, but now, since Jesus Christ, Jesus said it's necessary that I go away so that another advocate, another comforter can come. And so now we know that when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes residence inside of us and lives with us continuously, He's always there. It's not about coming and going, but we're always walking out a spirit-filled, spirit-led life. A third misconception is that the Holy Spirit is only present if we feel goosebumps. This is truer than we we even want to admit. So often, I've I've seen it in myself and I've seen it over others. Did you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit? And listen... There is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and we do sense and feel His presence. But we can't... conclude or draw conclusions or determine whether the Holy Spirit is present or not, because we just said He's always there, based on what we feel. It, it, the, the Holy Spirit's work is not an emotion. It's, it's not a feeling, but it's this continual work that goes on inside of us. And so far too often over my years of church history, I've seen situations where there has been a man-made hyping up where people are, uh, there's an adrenaline rush in people. And it's confused for a movement of the Holy Spirit. And not to say that the Holy Spirit can't move in those times. But I do know, unfortunately, because of some of my own experience where there have been people said, Boy, the Spirit was really present in that place today. And this has never happened at Grace Covenant. So excluded, at least not since I've been here. Uh, But they would say, Boy, the Holy Spirit really moved. And I knew because being behind the scenes that that was man-made, that was contrived. It was like, if I can get your emotions up, I can get you to feel something. And we have to realize that it's constant, it's consistent. The Holy Spirit is there, whether we feel it or not. So I have no doubt that there are many more misconceptions than, than these three that I've mentioned. And we could spend a lot of time talking about the misconceptions, but rather than talking about the misconceptions, what I'd like to do is we spend the remainder of our time talking about Who the Holy Spirit is and the the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to remind you, this is a series we're just starting. So today's really just an overview. We're just going to scratch the surface. Um, But, uh, and today what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus more on that middle part of your notes. I'll I'll summarize the bottom part. But what we're going to find is as we work through this series over the week, we're going to learn about the work of the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? I think in order to really understand the Holy Spirit, we have to begin by talking about the Trinity. When I say the Trinity, I know you know this, but what am I referring to? God the the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, The Trinity or the triunity of God is one of the greatest Uh, divine mysteries of all of scripture. And so it's important that we understand that we can't try to reduce our understanding of the Trinity down to some neat, tidy, logical formula. Understanding the Holy Spirit is actually beyond our full comprehension. It's something that we have to accept by faith. Uh, However, in the fourth century, something was written, uh, the Westminster um, Confession, and I believe there's a section of it that captures well uh, the Holy Spirit, almost like a definition. So I want you to listen to this, uh, of the Trinity. There is but one living and true God. In the unity of the Godhead, there are three persons of one substance, power, and eternity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Father is one, neither begotten or proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, the Holy Ghost, eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. And and, and that's just something that would help us try to begin to understand the Trinity. We could spend an entire message talking about the Trinity, an entire series, but that's not the goal. Instead, we want to understand, we want to just believe by faith that the, the, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and is fully God. We can just summarize it by the, the Bible from creation and beyond proves that fact. Um, A second aspect of understanding who this Holy Spirit is, is by recognizing and believing that the Holy Spirit is not an it, but instead a person with whom we can have a personal relationship. In John chapter 15, in verse 15, as Jesus was speaking, he said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Listen to this. Instead, I have called you my friends for everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. I want you to hold on to this. Jesus told the disciples, you are my friends. Now, I want to connect some dots. I want, to, I want to just read a couple of other verses that will confirm that the Holy Spirit is our friend. In John 14, verse 16, I read this earlier. Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Uh, Jesus is talking about the advocate that will come when he leaves. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the word for advocate is actually a Greek word called parakletos, or a word we would refer to as paraklete. And paraklete means one who comes alongside and does for another person what that person can't do for themselves. So that means that the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and empowers us to do what we can't do for ourselves. Now, there's one other thing that we need to note about this verse. Notice that Jesus didn't say, and the Father will give you an advocate. But instead, Jesus said, the Father will give you another advocate. And that word another can be translated as like this. Um, another of the same so Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you another advocate just like me. He's going to do the same things for you continuously that I've been doing for you. So Jesus has called the disciples his friends. And then he says, the Father's going to give you another advocate, another of the same kind. If Jesus was a friend, another of the same kind, meaning the Holy Spirit would be a friend to the disciples. Now, here's the great news. It wasn't just for the disciples. We must recognize the Holy Spirit as our friend who comforts us daily, who intercedes for us, who is constantly our advocate. Here's the third aspect of understanding who the Holy Spirit is. It's by recognizing and believing that the Holy Spirit is the one who presents us as, uh, is present in us as believers to help us effectively live out our faith life. Here's John 16, 7 again. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus very obviously thought that it was more important that the Holy Spirit be with them rather than himself. Why do you think that's true? Well, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. He was incarnate. Because he was fully man, he had a body. And that body had limitations. That body couldn't be every place all the time. And so he's saying... I'm going to go away and the Spirit is going to come and live and reside in you because the Spirit can be with you always every single day of your life. The Spirit will be with you, helping you to live out this faith life. How does the Holy Spirit help us? I'm coming to an end. According to John 16, 13, He helps us by teaching us. He guides us into all truth. According to John 16, 12, and 13, He helps us hear God's voice. According to John 14, 26, he reminds us of God's word and God's promises. According to John 15, 26, he helps us by revealing Jesus. He reveals Jesus to us, in us, and through us. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of friend I need. That's the kind of friend. I need that kind of friend who will help me every day walk out effectively this faith life because I can't do it by myself. So I don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit But I know instead I have a friend who comes alongside of me and is helping me every day. Isn't that comforting? Yeah, that is really comforting. So what we've seen, as we've even looked at who the Holy Spirit is, we're seeing how the Holy Spirit works. So let me just summarize the last portion of the notes. So we know that the Holy Spirit's work begins by drawing us to the Father. We accept Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit takes residence in us and he begins to work in us and through us. As he's working in us and through us, we become more like Jesus and we produce spiritual fruit that honors God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in us, Jesus flows through us and allows us, empowers us to live uh, naturally supernatural lives Uh, Remember this morning we said a miracle can happen here. We sang that when we sang that song. We can sing that because of the power of the Holy Spirit. There is power in the Holy Spirit. And as the power of the Spirit uh, lives in us, as we walk out our natural lives, we see supernatural things happen because the Spirit of God is at work in us. So my heart... Listen, I think that this is one of the most significant series that we've stepped into in a long time. We're going to spend five weeks in this series, the Holy Spirit, and we're going to follow this up. And we're going to spend 10 weeks as a church as a whole talking about the kingdom of God. And I truly believe that this is a pivotal time for us as a church. God's calling us to more. God's calling us to expand. God's calling us to increase. And we need the work of the Holy Spirit in us. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But I want to just tell you about a resource. One of the best books that I've encountered apart from... uh, Well, let me say this. One of the best books I've encountered about the Holy Spirit is a book written by Pastor Robert Morris, who pastors Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas. uh, And it's called The God I Never Knew. This book... Apart from my, my doctrine and my theology books, which I love to dive into, um, this through, through his, his personality, through stories, through scriptures, through experiences, he, he describes what friendship with the Holy Spirit looks like in our lives. He describes the the, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a good read. It's an easy read. I would highly encourage you to get it. In fact, we thought this was so important. When you leave today, when you go out that way, uh, Lisa's going to be at a table out there. We have these books and the church has really offset the price of these books. So you can pick up one of these books. We get no profit from this. Pastor Morris maybe does. Uh, Five bucks a book. And if we run out, we have access to more, okay? So I would highly encourage you to read it as you continue to dive into it. But I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads? Father, thank you for your spirit, your Holy Spirit. Thank you that Jesus did not leave us as orphans, but provided for us by the Spirit. We thank you that your Spirit lives in us, resides in us, and empowers us for daily living and we thank you Holy Spirit that we can have a friendship with you uh, that you're you're for us not against us we don't have to be afraid of you I pray that over the weeks to come as we dive into this series that we just learn so much about who you are and how you work and we become so intimate with you I pray with your heads bowed and your eyes closed one last question that I want to ask simple question. Is there anybody here today and you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ? You've never really been able to say, Jesus Christ is my Savior. He's the Lord of my life. You've never confessed that you need a Savior because of your own shortcomings, your failures, your sins. Well, God made provision through Jesus Christ. Jesus paid for our sin on the cross, through his blood, so that we could be reconciled to God. And the Bible says that we just have to, by faith, believe, and we confess it with our mouth. And we start life all over. So with that explanation, is there anybody here today, uh, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, and you would say today for the first time, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand and let your eyes catch my eyes? Is there anybody here in the room? Father, as I always pray, I pray a prayer of thanks. Thank you that we've come together today as people who know you. And I pray that as we leave, that you would just uh, let us be light and that people would be drawn to us and we could tell them your story and see them come into the kingdom. And we also ask that you would just send people here to us on a weekly basis who don't know you so we could tell them your story. We commit to do that. I pray blessings over every person as they go, that they might experience you in every way. Uh, And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have an incredible week. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.